Um, I think community colleges have been important to NEH from the beginning of the agency, which was in 1965. They can help students in their local area uh, get ready for college level work. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. Welcome back to In the Know. On today's episode, ACCT Director of Communications David Connor and I interviewed Julia Wynn. Julie is a senior program officer at the National Endowment for the Humanities, where she oversees the humanities initiatives at Community College's annual grant program. We talk about how the humanities fit into a community college education and why community colleges should seek out these grants. Okay, so the uh, Humanities Initiatives at Community Colleges is uh, an annual grant program that is designed to help community colleges strengthen their humanities programs. So it's fairly flexible. We uh, basically say, tell us what you want to do on your campus to improve humanities education that costs you know, under $100,000, which is the cap for the grant. There's obviously a little bit more than that that goes into the application, but that's essentially what we're looking for, is the ideas that come from the college about their needs and what they want to do. So we don't say, um, you know, we want you to do this and, and then apply that to every community college because we know that it's such a vast universe. Every college is different, their needs are different, and so we want them to have the flexibility to create uh, a project that works for them. So uh, as I said, it's very flexible. Most of the programs that we fund tend to have some sort of uh, faculty development component as well as a curricular development component, but um, there are other types of things that could be funded as well. We've, we've actually um, had, for example, projects that fund summer bridge programs. So um, they can help students in their local area uh, get ready for college level work. Um, we've funded things like um, projects that help community colleges engage with the cultural institutions around them, the museums, uh, archives, or libraries, and, and create uh, curriculum that, that really draws on the resources of those institutions. So we're really trying to help community colleges strengthen what they're doing. Um, there does need to be a curricular component that comes out of the project because we are the education division. So usually that might be some sort of program, like a certificate program. We've, we've funded the development of honors programs. Uh, it could be uh, just a group of courses grouped around a humanities topic or theme. One thing that we've seen a lot lately is colleges that notice their student populations are changing, but that's not always reflected in their curriculum. And so, for example, a college might come to us and say, we want to do some faculty development in, say, uh, Latino or Latin American studies or Asian and Asian American studies. And then we're, you know, we're going to do development for the faculty, and then the faculty members are going to either create new courses or revise existing courses to bring that material into the classroom. So those are the types of things that we tend to fund, but we try to keep it fairly flexible so that we can meet the needs of as many institutions as possible. Um, so I, I the 
The big question, I guess, is why would the NEH decide to focus on community colleges? And um, and I'm asking this in part because our, our members, our primary membership is community college trustees. They're the ones who govern the colleges, look at the policies, the needs of the communities, and react to that. And there's a lot of focus um, on workforce development, as always, but because of changing workforce needs and all of that. Um, th- the humanities, from my perspective, sometimes get overshadowed in these conversations. So I'm really curious what drove you to focus on the community college sector. Um, I think community colleges have been important to NEH from the beginning of the agency, which was in 1965. We've always been very interested in community colleges, and certainly the growth of the NEH was happening at the same time that you see growth of a lot of community colleges in that post-war period. Uh, Part of it, honestly, is that we know that a large majority of American college students are getting their humanities education at community colleges. Uh, A lot of students who are um, transferring from community colleges to four-year institutions, they may not, once they transfer, they may not take a single humanities course. Mm -hmm. So we need to reach the students where they are, and for a lot of them, that's at community colleges. But um, we also, part of our founding legislation says that the humanities belong to all people. So we really want to try and reach as many of of the American public uh, as possible. And I think community colleges are an important part of that. Um, We're very interested in the sort of straight humanities, you know, history, literature, philosophy, a lot of um, actually philosophy (laughs) teaching going on at community colleges. But we're also very interested in the ways that the humanities can come into conversation with non-humanities fields, and that may be um, workforce development fields as well. We actually have funded some really interesting projects that that bring those all together. We did have one that we funded on um, food studies, which is very hot in in the academic world right now. Uh, And this community college brought in, you know, historians and literature scholars and faculty from their culinary arts program and, and sort of created a really fascinating curriculum around a food studies so that their culinary arts students are not only getting the the sort of hard skills that they're going to need to go out then and work you know as chefs or, or whatever they plan to do with their studies but they're also learning the history behind the way that um, cuisines evolved in their city and um, they're learning about ways that um, novelists and poets have have used food in their work and so they're really getting a, a really well-rounded education. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that's interesting I was uh, sort of talking Jacob's ear off this morning about uh, my thoughts and my experiences, just in that I, from third grade on, I thought, I anticipated uh, studying biology and becoming a marine biologist. That's what I always wanted to do. Uh, but a primary interest was visual arts in school. And even at that young age, I didn't think that that was practical enough to pursue. And then I ended up being sort of steered toward uh, writing and in English. So I ended up with a degree in English and then a graduate degree in creative writing, not exactly where I thought I would go. And I sort of pushed uh, the visual arts interests and the scientific interests to the sides. And at some point in my adult life, I came to realize they, for me anyway, they all interrelate. Mm-hmm. Basically, the base of them all is curiosity. And to me, that's humanities. And I think, um, so that, that leads to a discussion that I was hoping you could um, 
you could shed some light on. So I graduated originally from the College of Arts and Sciences. Mm -hmm. And then when I went back to school, I ended up graduating from the College of Humanities. And that was after STEM was sort of picked apart from uh, arts. So um, where are we now? Where do you think we are? How important are the humanities within uh, academia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're in a very um, interesting space right now. I do think that we've seen over the past oh, 20 years at least that that sort of distancing of the, the science and, and the humanities, and, and of course it goes back even further than that, but this idea that the sciences are, and, and more than just the sciences, but, but those sort of uh, what people think of as hard fields are where you go because you want to get jobs. And um, the humanities are where you go to study your passion, but you probably won't be able to get a job. And I think we're starting at least to move beyond that a little bit, or at least I hope hope that we are. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would say from, from the perspective of the humanities, we definitely recognize the importance of um, you know, the, the sciences, the business fields, all of those other areas. There's, there, there's a lot to be learned from all of those. But we, we are trying to sort of plant the flag and say there's also a lot that's important to be learned from the humanities. Uh, you know, asking those hard questions about the human experience is something that is, is really crucial. And, uh, you know, I think we l always like to bring up the examples of things like, you know, the, the Enron scandals, decades ago and you know maybe if they had studied a little more philosophy and ethics with their business <laughs> studies would we have been to able to avert that maybe um, but I, I do think that we are definitely interested in in trying to to push those conversations a little bit further and not talk about um, you know this field is better than that field or, or anything like that but really talk about what various fields can bring to the table in ways that we can better uh, prepare our students and uh, you know better serve our society. I do think that we're starting to see on the humanities side a little bit more interest um, on the part of say especially the sciences so medical humanities is a huge and growing field and there's been some some really exciting work done in areas like narrative medicine and this idea that if you uh, treat a patient only as a sort of grouping of cells and biological processes that uh, you're really um, not treating that patient as well as you could be. Um, someone comes in to see, to see a doctor, they're bringing with them um, their own personal history, their culture, all of that. And that all plays a part in how they interact with um, medical professionals, but also, for example, their um, relationship to the treatment that they might be prescribed. So, so that's something that we're really interested in. We've, we've been um, having conversations with um, folks in, in, say, engineering and other disciplines like that to, to see about ways that the humanities can also play a role in, in those kinds of curricula as well. And it's not that um, that we, we think they're incomplete, but we, we see a way that, um, that we can supplement what, say, the, the kind of training that, say, engineers are, are getting. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, certainly some of the conversations that I've had with people 
in, in say the engineering field have have said the same thing that that there is something helpful when you're training an engineer uh, to teach them how to understand not just the sort of engineering problem before in front of them but also the um, cultural context in which they are building this dam or well or whatever whatever mm -hmm. it is that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we seem to be in a place where those conversations seem to be happening more frequently. And I think that there's an openness that I'm seeing at least in some corners. I may be completely overly optimistic, but um, that's at least what it looks like from my perspective. Mm -hmm. So for part of my job, I read a fair amount of higher education news. Mm -hmm. And for a while, I've been seeing this undercurrent of um, the growing importance of humanities mm -hmm. coupled with the hard sciences. And I'm wondering if you've seen any trends recently in what your grants are being applied to. Mm. That's actually an excellent question. And absolutely. Um, we actually, our newest grant program, which is called uh, Humanities Connections, is, is really designed to do just that. We created Humanities Connections about three years ago. And before we built the program, we undertook a huge amount of consultation with um, administrators, faculty members, other funders, uh, you know, groups like AAC&U, and uh, all kinds of people who are working in an education space. And we were very um, open-ended about it. We basically said, tell us what you see happening in the humanities right now that is exciting to you. And immediately we realized we were hearing the same thing from everybody we've talked to. One was um, work outside of the classroom. So ways to get students involved in things like undergraduate research or service learning, internships, something that helped them practice the things that they were learning in the classroom in a non-classroom setting. And the second thing we heard from everybody was interdisciplinary work. And so we created this program. In the first year, we, we simply said, um, applicants must involve faculty and or staff from more than uh, one department or program. And in that first year, we realized that the most exciting and most compelling applications that we got were for projects that involved humanities fields and non-humanities fields. They were absolutely, um, they just, they were exciting in a way that some of the, you know, a, a program that involved philosophy and history faculty working together is great, but it, it, it just didn't seem necessarily as compelling as something that was maybe bringing together, um, you know, literature faculty and environmental science. Uh, so, actually, in, in subsequent years of the program, we have stipulated that applicants must involve both humanities and non-humanities faculty, and uh, the, res the response to that program has been really, really tremendous, almost, um, <laughs> for us, almost scary levels of, of application numbers, and, and I think it is because we're sort of tapping into something that um, folks at, at colleges and universities are really interested in doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's cool because such a, such a small change in the the wording for what the grant is can you know not only have the product of helping a lot more students find jobs eventually, but you can also create some really uh, innovative stuff. Yeah, it seems like it would stimulate innovation just to spark people's you know on, on thought processes to think outside your own. 
I think it, I think it really has. And one thing that we did when we were designing the program and that we try to do, I think, with all of our programs was we did keep things open. We In the guidelines, we did provide a, a short list of these are things you might do, but we tried to always um, couch it in, in those kinds of terms. These are suggestive rather than exhaustive <laughs> lists mm -hmm. of, of activities because we know that applicants are going to think of things that we haven't thought of at all. Right. And, and we want to see that. We really want to see that creativity. Yeah, I, so I was thinking about asking you about this. Um, Jacob, speaking of reading higher education news. Uh, so I found this article from last year from the Chronicle of Higher Ed. There is no case for the humanities and deep down we know our justifications for it are hollow. I was going to ask you what you think about that headline. So I will ask you, what do you think about the headline? Well, it's certainly provocative, isn't it? <laughs> yes. um, I don't think that's true. Um, I th and this is completely uh, my own personal perspective. Obviously, I, I think I wouldn't work at the National Endowment for the Humanities if I thought that uh, there was no case for the humanities. Um, I, th I think that there's something really profound that can come from, from that kind of deep examination of uh, human existence, the examination of the past. Um, I, I do think that that's necessary. I don't think that everyone needs to be a humanities major. That would be <laughs> ridiculous. But, but I do think that there's a, a place for the humanities, and, and I think a place for sort of the pure humanities. You know, there's definitely a place for that interaction between the humanities and, you know, sciences or business or, or whatever. But I also think that there's, there's a place for that sort of pure examination of, of the human existence and what it means. You know, the, you know, what's the meaning of life, which is, you know, it, it sounds sort of trite, but, but that is something that we have to consider as a, as a society or else we're just sort of unmoored in a way that I think would be to our detriment. Yeah, I mean, to go back to the example of an engineer building a dam, you know, sure, it's uh, there's a value to society to have an engineer that can build a dam, but it's also important for that engineer to be able to think, why are we building this dam? What are the... Um, the implications of building this dam, you know, environmentally, anthropologically, and otherwise, and, mm -hmm. you know, with, I, I would think that someone with those skills might be able to make better informed decisions in what their job is that they might not be able to make if they hadn't had any sort of humanities uh, education. I, I think that's right. And I, I'll give you an example. This is from a conversation with uh, uh, an engineering professor who said the big problems facing our planet, you know, climate change, things like that, they obviously are going to need the input of um, engineers and scientists to help figure out the solutions to those big problems. But that's not the really hard part. The really hard part is the political and the cultural, and that's gonna require the humanities, that you, the sciences can't save us alone, <laughs> that the humanities are necessary. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's something that, that we in the humanities have always thought. It was kind of gratifying to hear it come from someone working in uh, an engineering field mm -hmm. who, who recognized that as well, that um, obviously the humanities alone can't save us either. You, you need the two working together. But, but I do think that um, you know, there, there is a role for the humanities and um, 
and that sort of deep thinking, the, the textual analysis skills that, mm -hmm. that come from, from studying the humanities, which will help, help you no matter what you want to do. Yeah, and not to, you know, not to take it to, to, you know, to remove it too far from academia, but also I think there's a strong case to be made for the aesthetics component. Um, you know, uh, I visited uh, Amsterdam for the first time a couple years ago. Engineering, um, obviously, of dams is significant. Otherwise, there would be no Netherlands. However, um, it's such a beautiful place, and it seems that the engineering has taken into mind uh, how people live. And really, it has been done so that people can live a certain way in that country. Likewise, I got into a conversation with somebody years ago who believed that there was no value whatsoever in the arts, period, that it is not a practical um, study. And so I asked about Paris, for example. Have you been there? Yes, I've been there. Why did you go there? Did you go to watch parliamentary process? You know, why did you go there? You went to eat, to look at the architecture, to look at art and mm -hmm. um, experience the city. And all of that, all of that is just pure art, you know, that's right. and history. Yeah. So it's humanities. Um, the question I asked earlier, it was definitely uh, a bait and switch. Um, it's the head, the reason I emphasize the headline component is because the headline, um, it, it sounds like encouragement to abandon the humanities, but in the end, um, the author concluded that the humanities do need defenders, and the way to defend the humanities is to practice them. Um, he said that the way that the humanities will survive is even if there's no case to defend them, um, they will survive because they're a part of who we are. And readers, uh, there were almost 400 comments on this article, one person toward the top um, who had a lot of votes uh, said, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I was also a blue-collar kid who had no idea how exhilarating and satisfying it would be just to think. Mm -hmm. um, having the world being blown open for me exa is exactly what I felt like. That was also my experience, and that's why this is important to me, because I came from a working-class background, as do so many community college mm -hmm. students. And there is, um, you know, this article discusses sort of a, a classist divide. Um, and so that brings me back to some of your grant parameters. You emphasize um, at-risk and non-traditional students. And um, I'd like you to talk about why that is, mm -hmm. what it is about the humanities and giving opportunities to yeah. those people. Well, we, as a society, we seem to have decided that the humanities are for rich kids. <laughs> You, know, you can go to a small liberal arts college and study the humanities, and then you're going to go to law school or medical school or whatever, and and that's for you. But for these kids who need to get jobs, you know, they they don't deserve the humanities. Seems to be where we are right now as a society. And I I would say that our perspective is again it goes back to our legislation. The the humanities are for all of the American people. And, um, you know, I, I think back to my own experience and that of people I know. Um, you know, when I was in college, I didn't know that grant making existed as a career. Um, other people, you know, people who work, say, in IT fields, maybe their careers didn't even exist 20, 25 years ago. You don't know what the job world is going to look like in 10, 15, 20 years. 
Um, I think studying not just the humanities, but the, the liberal arts generally can help give you a broader perspective and a flexibility that will help you weather various changes. I mean, in, in 30 years, who knows what kinds of, of careers are going to exist, what our economy is going to look like. I certainly am sympathetic to uh, the views of parents who are very concerned about their kid's ability to get a job, especially if you think about a kid who maybe is um, a first-generation American or who maybe is first-generation in their family to go to college. This is a huge deal for them to go to college. And in, in some ways, I think all, in general as a society, certainly since the, the end of World War II, you know, we've seen college as the ticket to the middle class. And I think for a lot of, of families, obviously, that's really important. And so I completely understand their concerns about my kids studies English literature. Well, what on earth are they going to do with that? Will they be able to get a job? Um, and again, I, I don't think every kid needs to, to major in the humanities. Um, I actually am the parent of a current community college student, and she's absolutely not planning to, to major in, in the humanities. But um, I do think that studying the humanities is important for, for all students. And it's things like learning how to read a document closely and carefully and tease out the various implications of that document. Certainly that's important for analyzing literature, but it's also important for you know, reading a memo you got from your boss and trying to figure out what on earth you're supposed to do with uh, and, and what it exactly your boss is, is trying to tell you to do. Um, you know, public speaking obviously is a crucial skill in so many different fields. Learning about history is, is so important, both to sort of learn about our nation's history in general. I think that's so important uh, for citizenship. But also one of the things that we've seen at a lot of, uh, or at least some of the community colleges that we funded is developing, we, we funded colleges to develop history courses that are tied to things our students are studying. So for example, a community college that where a lot of their students are studying um, in, the, in various medical uh, professions, uh, nursing and things like that. And so they have created a sequence of history of medicine courses so that students are learning, they think they're only learning history of medicine. They're learning a lot more history than, than that. They're really learning about the history of Western civilization through this, these courses, but they're also um, learning about the history of their own profession and giving them a, a richer understanding of, of this profession that they've, they've chosen to embark on. So I think that there's a lot of benefit that can come from studying the humanities. It doesn't mean you have to, to major in it, although I, in my experience, humanities majors do okay too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I when so when I decided to study English, I just everybody my bosses were telling me you need to do this, David, because uh, frankly, I was like a 19-year-old kid hired to they gave me a typing test and I rewrote it because I didn't know if all of the grammatical errors <laughs> were part of the test or the messaging, yeah. and so I just rewrote it. And they hired me on the spot, um, and I stayed there for over 10 years um, and grew into primarily an editing and writing position. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that, you know, that sort of thing can can happen. And but I think there's something more than the specific subjects, and and you're getting at that as well. The richness of the um, of just appreciating things. Last year we did a two part podcast with uh, Deborah Humphreys from the Lumina Foundation, mm -hmm. and 
We ended up talking about, originally the conversation was supposed to be about accreditation and quality assurance, but really uh, her view on quality assurance has evolved into reincorporating all of these things, humanities really, um, liberal arts, into curricula so that students who graduate will have a sustainable career after technical aspects of the jobs are phased out. At the same time, um, I thinking about this, uh, I was also thinking about the role of empathy, which I read as mm-hmm. a, a primary aspect of the humanities. And whether it's literature, religion, um, history, all of those things, there's, there's an empathetic, um, uh, just a sensibility, and you, people can cultivate that through studying these things. And I mean, uh, to be totally frank, I think that's a that's from my vantage point that that's a potential risk of focusing so much on technical sciences and pushing these things to the sidelines. Because in order to participate in a society, you do need empathy, right? You need all of these different qualities, and that. Frankly, that's why at-risk and non-traditional students kind of stand out to me and focusing on community colleges because there are people who may not have the privileges of of being thought of as the ideal students. Um, So you've talked about some of the grantees. What what would you hope to see in some future applicants? Are there any ideas? I mean, you can't give away projects, but... (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think <clears throat> that uh, yeah, every every new deadline is an adventure. It's actually really exciting for us to see the applications that come in and the kinds of things that applicants want to do. I think that especially with the community college program, we love to see projects that really engage with the college's surrounding community. Those are often really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in, in some ways because it speaks so directly to the mission of a community college. It's it's just so cool to see um, a project that, that really is engaging deep, deeply with the community in a lot of different and exciting ways. Uh, some of the most uh, interesting projects that we've seen lately have brought in those resources in the community that often students don't know much about. Um, and you think about even a city like Washington, D.C., where there are so many museums and they're free and you know, all of that sort of thing, but there are a lot of kids in this area who have never been to a Smithsonian Museum, and they grew up maybe five miles away. And so a lot of these projects are really bringing those resources of cultural institutions that maybe a lot of um, working class or, or poor students don't think of as being for them, and it, it's incorporating those resources directly into the curriculum so that um, in some ways it's bringing the institution to the college, but then often they're also building in ways to take students there, whether it's for field trips or internships or special projects that they're doing you know, in collaboration with a local museum or something like that. But it's, it's, it's just a really exciting way to bridge that divide that can sometimes develop between a, a college and a university, even when, as in the case of many community colleges, the students are all coming from right there. But, you know, they may know their sort of general area, but they don't know the resources five, ten miles away. Mm -hmm. So those are often really exciting. Um, I I do think that um, it's also exciting to see the ways that 
colleges are responding to their changing student demographics. Uh, and, and in some cases, depending on the institution, in some cases, um, student demographics are changing really quickly. <laughs> and uh, they're often, the colleges are often responding in, in very creative ways. And I think that's something that, that's so exciting is uh, that every year we see applications that we never would have thought that any, you know, ideas that we never thought of. And I think that's something that we love to see as well, that you know, colleges are reaching really deeply, they're thinking creatively, and they're coming up with ideas that um, are really deeply rooted in their needs and what they want to provide for their students. I mean, one thing that, that I definitely have seen is that community college faculty are so deeply concerned um, about giving their students the best po possible education. And it really comes through, I think, in, in the applications that we get. So we, we find it really exciting to see what they come up with every year. And, and I do think that's an, an important part of our grant making, which is that um, we do a very, we don't do a top-down kind of, of grant making where we say we want to see this, this, and this, mm -hmm. uh, but that we basically say tell us, tell us what you want to do, tell us what's important to you, and that I think, in general, provides a, a better sort of grant making product, if you will, but it also gives us a continual window on what's going out, going on out in the world of, of community colleges or any other kind of of institutions so that we can uh, hopefully try and stay responsive as needs change. Uh, so as you were talking about the changing demographics, and I would love it if you could identify maybe one project from the past that really stands out as an example, because mm -hmm. I'd, I'd love to hear about yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the one that comes to mind most immediately uh, is we, uh, a couple of years ago, funded a project at a community college in Pennsylvania, and the name is escaping me, but they have seen in um, the past maybe 10, 15 years um, a large increase in uh, their um, Hispanic student population. And so they also have recognized that that's not something that is really reflected very well, currently at least, in their curriculum. So they came to us for uh, a grant to create a series of faculty development workshops where they, they brought in visiting scholars in uh, Latino studies so that there was a, a program of study for the faculty where they're working with these consulting scholars, they're reading, they're discussing, and then um, time for them to uh, do the work to then incorporate some of that material into their courses. So, um, you know, there was the creation of a Latino studies course, but then also the infusion of uh, material into various courses that may already exist. So, you know, a literature course might include some some uh, Latino literature, that, that sort of thing. Um, a lot of the funding for this particular project tends to go towards faculty to do that, that sort of work, to give them the time to do that kind of work because we know community college faculty are so busy. They teach so much in the summers uh, as well as during the semester. So it, it can often be difficult for them to find the time to do that kind of curricular development. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of what, um, what this project provides is just that time, both the, the funding to bring in consultants and then the time to, to do that work. Mm -hmm. I think um, I, 
I love that. I love hearing about that. And as I hear you talk about it, um, I'm going to share what I'm thinking because I, I hope that other people realize the implications of something like that. So you're introducing uh, different cultural information and, frankly, different cultures, different sensibilities in some ways with literature, probably, um, to the general student population. Yeah, so really, uh, you know, that will have a transformative effect over time and help people relate to one another better, um, understand where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that's really significant because it's really more than just adjusting a literary curriculum. Right. It's adjusting people's appreciation for one another, which will improve that community in the long run. That's... I. People should think about that, board members who are listening to this, and pay attention to this grant because it's a great opportunity to really respond to community needs in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it really has a sort of twofold effect. One is that, um, I, I, you know, I think we've all seen the studies that students who do not see themselves in the curriculum often feel alienated from it, right. and they don't engage in the same way. So so on the one hand, st- students who have been absent from the curriculum now see themselves there, you know, and, and may feel now, I belong here more than they may have in the past. And then I think you're right, students, um, sort of, I guess, traditional students who, who have been part of the curriculum all along also see this is important too. And, and I do think you're right, that they, they start to see that that um, there's something more than just the experience they've grown up with, that, that as a society we're more than that and we're richer for that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a great way to sum it up. Um, I, I also just wanted to throw out there, um, Jacob, since we were talking, can you talk about your educational background? Because I think it's an interesting confluence. Sure, so I started my post-secondary education at the City University of New York, uh, specifically at Hunter College. Mm -hmm. Um, And I chose that path because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And I knew that going to CUNY would save me and my parents a ton of money. Um, And as I sort of developed my interests, I became more interested in uh, art and in political science. And then I started looking at um, transfer opportunities and ended up transferring to American University here in DC, mm-hmm. where I majored in political science and minored in studio art. Um, and that both of those sort of have worked together in how my professional career is coming together. Um, one through writing, you know, there's a lot of uh, connections between art and writing um, and sort of the way you think about things and also in politics, the way you think about how things work. Um, So not only have I been able to apply my artistic, my artistic training literally through doing, you know, graphic design work and stuff like that, but also through how I think about certain things like writing, editing, and how, you know, language should fit together, if that makes sense. Well, it makes sense to me because I relate art and writing as well, and they're they're both and science, frankly, mm-hmm. um, they're di- they're just different orientations and ways of, um, you know, interacting with the world. Um, and you, Julia, what what's your educational background? So I studied history as an undergraduate. I actually thought I wanted to be a history professor, mm-hmm. 
so studied history and, and history and uh, German. I was a double major as an undergraduate and then went to graduate school, um, got a PhD in history, got a tenure check job and realized I did not want to do that for the rest of my life. So uh, in looking around to see what else I could do, you know, a PhD in history is not necessarily the most um, obviously marketable of degrees. Um, so in looking around to see what else I might be qualified to do, I actually uh, came across uh, grant making as a possibility. Uh, I didn't know a lot about the field, but in doing some research to understand more about grant making, what is it, what do you do, how do you get in this field, I came across a job listing at the National Endowment for the Humanities, and I decided to give it a shot. <laughs> and, and that's really how, how it all came together. Um, I was actually very fortunate I got the job, and it's, it's been a really great fit because I still um, get to interact with the academic world and uh, obviously being trained as a historian is, is crucial to the kind of work that I do at, at NEH, but I also get to work with so, other, so many other fields as well. Um, a lot of the work that we do is actually advising applicants. Um, we uh, work really extensively with people to help them you know, discuss their ideas, up, even up to the point of reading, uh, in my division at least, reading a draft proposal and offering them feedback on that draft before they submit the final proposal, which I would suggest to all of your listeners that that is something that they want to do. Um, if their colleges want to apply, absolutely get in touch with us. Um, but one of the first draft proposals that I read was in philosophy of mind which is not obviously not something that I was trained in in school, but it was so exhilarating to um, be engaging with that material in a way because sometimes when you're in the academic world, you get sort of narrower and narrower and narrower. And I love history and I love, I love my field, but I also love, love being able to interact with other fields as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, so the, the point of all that to me is... Uh, you know, for, for anybody listening to this and questioning the value of the humanities, uh, we have the arts represented here, we have history represented, um, written and visual arts, by the way, and political science. And all of these things might be uh, areas of study where people would question, where am I going to end up? And everybody's doing pretty well, doing right, you know, as yeah. you said. So I think there's a real practical, provable, inherent value, uh, job-wise, and then also just kind of living. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would say that the Humanities Indicators Project has mm-hmm. done, you know, they've been doing research um, and sort of the, the place of the humanities for years now. And um, some of the, the research that they've done on um, job outcomes is really promising for the humanities. And, and basically what they're finding is that humanities people do get jobs, and they're often really happy in those jobs. Mm-hmm. They're not always the highest paying jobs, but they're enough to, to have a nice life. And um, in the surveys that they've done, folks who've studied the humanities are really happy in the work that they're doing. So I, th- I think that it, it all somehow works out in the end. I think so. 
Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate You're this. Welcome. And everybody, um, where where can people find out more information about your project? Um, the best place to find out information about our grants, about all of our grants, really, is neh.gov, which is our website. Um, there's a little tab at the front that says grants. If you click that, it will take you to a listing of all of our grants. One thing that I would say is that we do have the, the grant program specifically uh, designed for community colleges in the education division, but I would also say that community colleges are um, both eligible and, and welcome in all of the grant programs that we have in the education division. So we would love to see community colleges applying to any of our, our grant programs, and we would be happy to, to work with folks to um, you know, help them refine their ideas, help them work on their, their proposals, any kind of help that we can give, it, we are happy to do. Well, great. Um, this, the, it's April. Our theme uh, for Community College Month is Community Colleges Deserve Investment. So apply for these grants because everybody needs <laughs> more That's support right. for sure in this sector. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. For more information about the humanities initiatives at Community Colleges Grants, visit www.neh.gov grants. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.